You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys. Wasn't that awesome? I love having fun in church. If, if you guys aren't going to have fun, I'm going to have fun up here today because uh, we're talking about something that I think should be fun in our marriages and in our lives. And um, so if you're new, if you're just showing up today, we're in a series entitled Happily Ever After. So we're trying to redefine what happiness looks like in our, in our marriages, in our families. And so we've been talking about marriage and, and uh, the last couple of weeks, we're going to talk about parenting in the, cup, in, in the next few weeks. And, and so uh, we started by saying that marriage is a covenant. And so it's not a contract that can be broken. And we should look at it as a covenant, as a lifetime uh, experience that we are committing to somebody. The second week I said that our pursuit of Jesus must come first. And as we pursue Jesus, our pursuit of of our spouse will be elevated. In other words, the best and greatest thing I can do for my wife is to pursue Jesus, is to love Jesus, is to seek him first in my life. Because as I'm seeking him, as I'm growing in that relationship with him, then it's gonna allow the fruits of the spirit to be developed in my own heart, in my own life. And that's gonna be evident in my relationship with my wife. Last week I talked about submission and how a a great marriage is built on godly submission. And so it's not just that the wife is doing everything that the husband wants. We saw that first and foremost, the man must submit himself to Christ. And as I submit myself to Christ and and follow his leadership, I'm dying to myself. I'm dying to what I want. And and I'm I'm practicing this principle of mutual submission where I'm submitting to her needs and and then thereby she as the wife is submitting to my leadership. And so it's a beautiful thing when we follow God's plan uh, for marriage. And so uh, today I wanna talk about what, what godly, Uh, sex looks like in our marriages because I think for the most part um, we're introduced to sex in shameful ways when you think about it if you look back to your childhood maybe um, you were introduced to sex when you were at your friend's house and you know your neighbor uh, found his dad's stash of pornography and, and you were exposed to that or Maybe you experienced sexual abuse as a kid and so you, that, that was a, a, a life-changing experience for you and maybe you just experienced premarital sex and so that's uh, been weighing you down and so there's some guilt there and some shame uh, now that you're married. And, and so we, I wanna acknowledge the fact that when we talk about sex in church, sometimes there's a little tension. All right, there's a lot of tension um, in the room because we don't normally talk about it um, in the right places. We normally teach our kids about sex by taking them to PG-13 movies. <laughs> and we just, you know, we're, we're kinda, it's kinda awkward when people are making out on the, on the TV screen or on the movie screen when we're by our kids. And, and then, you know, we, we, we don't discuss what that looks like or what's happening um, in a conversation with our kids and we just kinda hope they figure it out. And uh, they are figuring it out, by the way, but they're figuring it out from the wrong people. And so I guess as a side note, as I jump into this, I think sex should be talked about openly in our homes. It should be something that we don't just let our kids watch on TV. It should be something that we just let them kind of watch whatever and and see and experience whatever, but it should be a conversation that as a parent that I'm openly talking to them about and and, uh, helping them walk through what it looks like. I, I think it's much more appropriate for my Bible to be open in my home, talking to my kids about what God's design for sex is more so than 
than the locker room conversations that the guys are learning from and, and, and from the movies that they're watching. And so I just wanna blow up that tension. And, and there's only one way to blow up that tension for you because as a dad, you're probably a little tense and a little, you know, I can't talk to my son about this. And mom's like, I can't talk about this with my daughters. And there's only one way to overcome that. And that's just to light the fuse and just blow it up and just go for it and uh, open those lines of communication. That's not really what today is about. That's just kind of a side note because I think, you know, when we talk about this, there's just so much tension and, and um, our kids are just learning this in, in a, a negative light instead of a positive light as God intended it to be experienced. But, but you guys know this, our culture has twisted sex in such a way that we're, we're all influenced by this. I mean, there's no way you can live in America and not be influenced by sexuality. And so when we look at this, we can really identify how the enemy is using this against our marriages. I mean, prior to our, our marriage, uh, the enemy wanted us to believe that everybody was having sex and, and everybody's doing it and, and it's the right thing to do and you should experience this. And, and so some of us fell for that. And then after we get married, the enemy wants us to believe that we're, we're too uh, shameful. There's too much guilt or, you know, it's dirty now. And so we don't need this in our life. And so the battle is, is, is very real in our families today. And so I wanna help us look at what it could be and what it should be in our godly marriages because I believe God gave this uh, gift of, of, of sex to us as a gift. It should be experienced in light of our relationship, our covenant relationship with our spouse and it should be enjoyed. Um, and, and so let me start by saying uh, and reading from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. And we covered this last week, but I just want to cover uh, really quickly this concept, uh, a few concepts again that we learned just in this one verse, and it should be on the screen. Here's, here's what it says. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So Let's just look at this verse as we, as, as we jump into this topic and realize what we're learning in just this one verse. First of all, marriage is between one man and one woman. He says a man's gonna leave his father and mother, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to a wife. So one man, one woman, that's what marriage is. God, by the way, God designed marriage. Marriage is a biblical concept. If you're not a Christian and you're not following God's principles for marriage, then I don't even know if there's a point to marriage. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but it is God's idea. And so if we're not following God's idea, then I, I, you know, there's no real use for it. But when we look at it here, we see one man, one woman. The other thing that we see is that we're starting our own new family. So we're leaving mom and dad. We're starting our own new family. So we're moving out of the house. We're becoming a man, men. We're taking care of our bills. We're taking care of our family. We're not leaning on mom and dad to feed us and take care of us and do our laundry and all that kind of stuff. We're establishing our own family. There's, there's this leaving and cleaving that is, that is taking place. The other thing that we're seeing is that, yes, this one flesh union is talking about a physical union. So it is, there's sexual nature involved in here. It, it, it is a physical union union, but it's also an economical union. It's also a social union. It's also an emotional union. And so there's this aspect of marriage that we are willingly giving up a life of independence and we're joining our life to another uh, person, our spouse. And so it's, a, it's, it's really powerful in just this one verse how much we learn. 
So taking all of that into account, this one flesh union happens after marriage takes place. And so the first thing I wanna say today is that sex must be experienced in the covenant marriage relationship. That is God's design. So, so in our culture, the idea is that we should you know, just have sex before marriage and, and that helps us get to know the other person. And, and there's this trend today that's like, you know, just move in and live together. And that's becoming the norm. Just live together. Hey, listen, Christian or non-Christian alike, people are living together to kind of experience the physicalness. Let's kind of see how we live together. And if, we, and if it goes well, if we can kind of live together and it goes okay, then maybe we'll get married. Newsflash, you know, if you're trying that out, it's not gonna take long before that deal explodes, all right? The only reason why you would live with somebody for the rest of your life is because you made a, co- a covenant with them, a commitment to them. Anything else short of a covenant commitment, you're out the door because it's too difficult. There's too much tension in that relationship. And so the, the, the cultural idea is let's just do it, let's, let's experience this. And, and I'm just telling you this this morning before we dive into what it should be, because I know the reality in this room, there's just probably some couples that are experiencing sex right now and they're not married. There's probably some people in this room that are living together and they think it's okay. And, 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 and all I'm saying is the very thing that you are fighting for intimacy with another person, the very thing that you want so very much in your life is this close relationship with this person is going to explode at some point in your life if you don't get this thing in the order that God wants it to be. And that's how sex works. It's so, you know, the physical act is is, is one thing, but there's so much emotional connection that takes place as a result. And what you do is if you're, if, you're, if you're experiencing sex and you're not married, you begin to experience all of the emotions that married people experience. And so this connection, and then there's this idea of obligation. But the problem is if you're not married, that dude does not have any obligation to you. But you expect him to have that obligation because you're doing this and, and you're so connected physically and emotionally and even spiritually and And he's not obligated to you. And so it's easy for him to walk away. And then your heart is broken and it's devastated. And, you know, I was in student ministry for a long time. And so as I dealt with students and when when I saw them uh, uh, dating every single relationship that ended poorly and was like drama, 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 it was nine times or 10 times out of 10, it was because sex was involved or some kind of physicalness was, was taking place in that relationship. The kids that were, you know, honoring Christ in their relationships when they broke up, it wasn't that big a deal. It's just kind of like, okay, it's not working. This is not, not, not fun anymore. And so we're just going to go. So it's, it's really easy to kind of tell because when sex is involved, there is so much connection taking place. And, and the very thing that we're craving as single people wanting this from another person um, is never going to become a reality as a believer and, and even as a non-believer until we make that covenant and put Christ at the center of our relationship. So, so know that as we go into this deal, like that is, that is a huge factor when it comes to sex. It's God's idea. God designed it. And the way that he designed it is, is the way that we will be fulfilled through it. 
if we're trying to experience it and, and do it in a way that God did not design it to be experienced or to be used, then we're obviously going to be unhappy and unfulfilled and there's all, all, all kinds of drama that will take place and hurt and pain in our life as a result. And that goes with anything uh, that God has given to us to enjoy when we don't experience it the way that he has asked us to experience it. And so I wanna look at the Song of Solomon, chapter four today. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go there. Uh, go to the middle of your Bible, which is Psalms uh, roughly, and then take a right. You'll go through Psalms, you'll go through Proverbs, and then you'll hit the Song of Solomon. And, and the Song of Solomon is uh, poetry. And so <clears throat> through poetry, there's a lot of imagery throughout this. And so we're gonna see a lot of imagery um, um, in this section, in this passage of scripture. And, and what he's talking about here is, is his love for his wife. And in chapter four specifically, it is the honeymoon. It is the night of their wedding vows. And so they're about to consummate their wedding vows. And, and, and what's taking place here, I think is really, really special. And it should be on, on many levels, what we are experiencing in our relationship as well. I want to pull out some helpful principles today as we look at it. First off, chapter four, verse one, he says this. This is Solomon speaking to his wife. He says, behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats leaping down the slopes of Gilead. Let's just pause there for a second. <sighs> Now guys, if you're single, you're taking notes today, I get that, but this is not the pickup line that's gonna land you that chick, all right? <clears throat> to Shulamite, it would have been, you know, music to her ears, but, but not today. Verse two, your teeth are like a flock of shorn hoos that have come up from the washing, all of which bear twins, and not one among them has lost its young. Your lips are like a scarlet thread, and your mouth is lovely. Your cheeks are like halves of a pomegranate behind your veil. Okay, so, so here's what he's saying. He, he's, he's allowing this imagery to take place and, and it would have been music to her ears. And, and the point here, if you're taking notes, is that as we, as we understand this, this idea of a Christian bedroom, what it should look like, what, what should be in this bedroom experience for our wives uh, and for husbands. It, sh it first and foremost is a place of encouragement. And so it's a place of encouragement. Right here, Solomon is encouraging her with all of these lovely words. I mean, I mean uh, complimenting her hair would have been words of encouragement. Your teeth, you know, you got a good grill, man. I, I like your teeth, you know, you brush them. That is a good thing. Um, your lips are like scarlet thread. Your mouth is lovely. Okay, maybe he was a lip guy, I don't know. But this is important to him. He's encouraging her. He's affirming her physical beauty. Your cheeks are like halves of pomegranates. In other words, they're pleasing. They're sweet uh, to the eye. Your neck is like the Tower of David built in rows of stone. In other words, she stands tall. She's confident. She's strong in who she is. She's confident in who she is. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. That graze among the lilies until the day breeze and the shadows flee. I will go away to the mountain of myrrh and the hill of frankincense. You are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. All right, so the Christian bedroom, guys, should be first and foremost a place of affirmation and encouragement. 
So you should be encouraging your your wife. You should be praising her for her physical beauty. You should be praising her for her inward beauty. And ladies need this affirmation. They need this encouragement. They need conversation. Studies show that women talk three times as much as men. It's probably not gonna surprise you. Um, but for guys, it's, it's a little bit challenging because we may, you know, we talk, you know, all day at work and we kind of use up all of our words at work and then we come home and there's just nothing left in the tank, right? And so how was your day, honey? And our response is fine, you know? And then it's TV and then it's dinner and then it's TV. And so there's no communication, there's no affirmation, there's no encouragement, there's no conversation with our wife. And then the expectation of sex that night may be in your mind, guys. But if all you've done is watch TV, eat, watch TV, and no conversation, you got a better chance of going to Mars this summer than, than, than let, letting that deal happen that night. Because the idea and what he's showing us here is that there's a lot of pre-work. There's, there's this whole level of stuff that's taking place before the main event happens, even on their wedding night, even, even when they're about to consummate their wedding vows. And so guys, it's so, so vital that you understand this idea of, of communication and how she's uplifted and encouraged through that encouragement. So I think a lot of guys mostly criticize their wife instead of encourage their wife. You know, and, instead of pointing out all the things that are lovely and nice and, you know, there's, there's critiques on how she looks and, you know, she doesn't look like that or, you know, she should do this and do that. And, and so the encouragement for us is to have conversation and to use our words to uplift, to encourage our wife. If you want to have, you know, an, a great sexual experience with your wife on a continual basis, you'll make this your practice. Now, this is why it's difficult for men because, you know, pretty much anytime, anywhere, guys are ready, you know. Men, they say, are, are like microwaves. We can heat up pretty fast. And so anytime, any place, and that's kind of how we, we you know, uh, live. For, for ladies, they're said to be more like a crock pot, you know. And so it takes time to warm up and takes time to get ready. And so that idea really should kind of, you know, be planted in our minds, guys, because if, we're, if we want that deal to happen tonight, then it, it, it takes um, some, some, um, a, a level of communication. It takes a, a level of encouragement and affirmation. Three times here, Solomon tells her that she's beautiful. I mean, on and on, he, he's saying that she's beautiful and she's lovely, and he calls her his love. And so a wise husband today will realize the importance of encouragement. So the right words happen way, way, way before sex even happens. And so, you know, here's why women are mostly disappointed with the romance in their marriage. Because for them, romance is, is conversation. It's the words that we say to them. It's how we say it to them. And so nine times out of 10, words are not easy for many guys. And so it's, you know, it's easier to buy something. It's easier to take you on a date. And, and those are all part of it. But but the, the, the challenge and the encouragement here from God's word is, is to talk more, to, to, to encourage her, to uplift her, meet your wife's needs of, of verbal communication. Talk to her, talk about her, talk about how lovely she is, um, and, and, and that will pave the way for a healthy sex life. Now, for the wives, on the flip side here, as we talk about this, wives have to understand 
that, that men are visually stimulated, okay? And so, so um, for a woman, she is, is more likely to be moved by words, but for a man, he's more likely to be moved by, by sight. And so uh, we see this in, in, in the first six, seven verses here and, and even further that he is, he is motivated right now by how she looks. He's talking about eight different body parts just right now. He's going to continue, but eight different body parts and how lovely they are. And so he's, he's looking at everything. I mean, obviously she's not wearing flannel pajamas at this event, okay, ladies? Just my side note, I'll give you guys a second to write that down. Just seriously, get your pen out and write that down and maybe go home and burn everything that's flannel in your closet. And, and that will be, make your, your, your man happy. Um, but the only thing she's wearing, according to the scripture, is, is a veil that's covering her eyes. Everything else is in full plain view of Solomon here. And so he is affirming her physical beauty at this point. So, so as we think about this, before we can even begin to think about sex, guys, it is important that we touch our wife's heart with verbal communication. Even before you think you can touch any gazelles, all right, you got to affirm, affirm, and encourage uh, your wife. And so verse seven, he says, there's no flaw in you. Isn't that awesome? I mean, just think about that, ladies, for a second. If, you're, if, if you really believed that your husband believed that, that there was no flaw in you. Now, obviously, there's no woman that's ever gonna be perfect, uh, but the point is that to Solomon, she was perfect. Her beauty was perfect. Everything about her was perfect. And in, in, in his eyes, in his sight, she was incredible. And so there's a part, I think, of ladies who, maybe your, your, your husband might say this to you and you don't believe him. You know, or maybe your lack of confidence or because you compare yourself to whatever models in whatever magazine, you think that that's not true. But so, so the challenge for ladies is to be able to accept a compliment. You know, and that's one of the hardest things I think for some people to do who, who are really critical of themselves or who really uh, have a low uh, view of themselves. And that is simply to say thank you when somebody compliments you. Just notice yourself this week. The next time somebody compliments you, how do you respond to that? If you instantly go to, oh, it's nothing, or oh, you know, kind of deflect off of you onto something else, that should be a red flag in your life that, wait a minute, I, I can't even accept a compliment. I can't even say thank you. I have to, I have to deflect that and put it on somebody else or, or say it's not a big deal or, you know, you're lying or you're silly or, 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 or whatever excuse I can give in there. And, and instead of just simply saying, wow, thank you. And, and receiving that compliment and letting the Spirit of the Lord just really uh, bless your, your, your life uh, from those words. And so, guys, we're, we're pouring into her uh, verbally, verbal communication. Let's continue. Verse 8. This is Solomon. He's still talking. And he says, he says this, um, Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Depart from the peak of Amana, from the peak of Sinir and Hermon, from the dens of lions, from the mountains of leopards, what he's, in, what he's doing here is he's inviting her uh, to have sex. He's not charging in, you know, he's not forcing anything. He's just inviting her um, to enjoy the moment right now with him. Let's continue, verse nine. He continues, he says, you have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You have captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride. Now, this is not 
Solomon marrying his sister, okay? This is just a term of endearment, a sign of affection that, that they would have used at this time. So it had been a very natural thing. So, so as he says this, he's calling her his bride five different times. And listen, you can't experience this kind of oneness, this kind of holy intimacy outside of marriage. And he says, you're altogether beautiful. There's no flaw in you. He's inviting her to experience sex with him. He's saying that you've captivated my heart. He calls her his bride with one glance of her eyes. He says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm yours. Verse 10, how beautiful is your love. How much better is your love than wine and the fragrance of your oils than any spice. In other words, you know, she smells good. Good, and, and he enjoys that. Your lips drip nectar, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue. And there's the only way he knows what's under her tongue, okay? Suffice it to say, the French did not invent kissing. It's right here in the Bible. It's there. We're reading it right now. He says, the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. So, so a man is, is visually stimulated, all right? And at the same time, what, what closely follows sight is smell. So her garments smell good. I mean, she's taking care of herself here. Like, like this, is, this is a good thing. Ladies, take some notes here because if you smell like bleach, it's probably not a good thing, all right? I mean, here's what we've learned at church today. Burn our flannels, all right? And, and wear like fragrances that are pleasing, okay? Not too much, because then you'll give them a headache. You know, we don't want too much. But, but, but there's sight and then there's smell closely behind it. And he says it is good and he enjoys and he is affirming that in their life. And so he's virtually covered every sense, sight, smell, taste even. And he's experiencing all of this in the bedroom with his bride. It's a place of encouragement. But secondly, let's continue. Verse 12 he says, a garden locked is my sister, my bride. A spring locked and a fountain sealed. So the imagery is clear. Her body is the garden. Her fountain is her woman parts. And it has been locked. It has been sealed. In other words, if you're taking notes, the Christian bedroom is a, a place of exclusive passion. Exclusive passion. In other words, one of the greatest things you can give to your future husband, single folks, your future wife, is your virginity. Like when we read God's word, we see that in 1 Corinthians 6, we are called to flee sexual immorality. She is giving him a very unique and special gift. She has been locked. Her fountain, her garden is locked and nobody else is experiencing this but her husband. And then once we get married, one of the greatest gifts you can ever give to your spouse is exclusive passion, exclusive sex. In other words, you're not having sex with other people. You're not going to commit emotional affairs. You're not going to commit physical affairs. You're going to keep yourself locked for your spouse. Now, this is, this is important. 1 Corinthians 6, again, says flee from sexual immorality. So what is sexual immorality? A few examples. Is pornography sexual immorality? Yes. Is flirting with that woman at work sexual immorality? Yeah, because Jesus takes it to a whole new level. He says, if you have lust in your heart for another woman, you have committed adultery. 
And so our thought life is just as important, guys, as our physical acts. And so he's calling us to a very high standard here. And so we should, we should offer to our wives exclusive mentally, exclusive physically, exclusive emotionally our sexuality to her. And ladies, likewise, you know, I, I think there's a growing trend for, for ladies, even, even older ladies today, diving into some of these, you know, books and, and some of these movies that have just recently, you know, been released. It's called Mommy Porn. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's just this kind of trend where moms are kind of diving into this side too, where, whereas before it's just kind of men. Now, now ladies are being tempted with this. And, and it's like the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and God's word would call us to an exclusivity it is for my wife only. And, and her body, her thoughts, her emotions are for me alone. And it's one of the greatest gifts you will ever give to your spouse. I think God is pleased by this. Thirdly, it's encouragement. It's a place of encouragement. It's a place of exclusive sensuality. But thirdly, it's also a place of sexual enjoyment. So in other words, we enjoy this and it should be enjoyed. We should have fun with this. We should laugh and, and we should experience an intimacy there within that. Let's look at verse 16. Finally, the woman speaks. She says, Awake, O north wind, and come, O south wind. Blow upon my garden. Let its spices flow. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat its choicest fruits. And then Solomon speaks and he says, I came to my garden. <laughs> Oh, I came to my garden. That's how I read it. I don't know about you. I came to my garden, my sister, my bride. I gathered my myrrh. I'm gonna get some spice. I ate some honeycomb, whipped my honey, and I drank my wine with my, with my milk. And so he, he had some fun, all right? He's enjoying himself. She's enjoyed herself. And that is a beautiful thing. It is a good thing with your wife. Do you guys not read the Bible with different voices and accents? I guess that's just me. <clears throat> I tried there. But, but, but a place of enjoyment. She's been listening to every word that he said. So she's ready. The prep work has been done, guys. She's ready to give herself away. Now, if you read, go home and read this book, you'll see in, in, in the first couple of chapters of the book, um, she's saying, do not awaken love until it's the right time. And now she's saying, oh, it's time, you know, it's time. And so I can imagine that, that excitement for, for him. But, but all of this, you know, after his invitation, and now she says, okay, it's time. All of this is a great principle for us as married folks to see that, that good communication sexually is important. Like, here's what we like, here's what we don't like, here's when it's a good time, here's when it's not a good time, here's when we fight about it, and here's when, when we, we should think about this. And, 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 and so in other words, it's a great idea for you to go home today and, and to talk about your sex life. Honey, what do you, how do you think our sex life is going? What, what do you, how do you think it's going? And, and I know that is, you know, dangerous, you know, to, to maybe enter into, you know, tempted to enter into a, a conflict or a fight at that point, but resist that temptation and just talk about your needs. Talk about, you know, why this is happening and, and how this is taking place. And, and on a mature level, talk like adults. Don't yell. Don't get upset. Just talk about what's going on in here and, and, and begin to have that conversation because for many people, the people that I experience and some of the counseling that I do, um, it's become something that they just don't talk about. It's, been, it's something that 
you know, he's bitter, she's bitter, we don't talk about it, and, and, and he's usually invested himself in porn, uh, she's usually invested emotionally in her kids and in every, other things going on, and so there's this huge divide and gap. That's not what God wants for your marriage. There's so much more that he wants for you. There's so much more that you could be experiencing, and no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you're experiencing today, like, you, there's hope for change to take place. It, it can all change. There's nothing uh, that, that cannot be overcome. Sex is not the fuel of a good relationship. It's the fruit of a good relationship. So, so Paul Tripp says this, and I think it's important, because here, here's the deal. Sometimes we think we just need sex. You know, from a guy's standpoint, if we had more of that, things would be good. And so we just need that. And, and so you, you're coming to all three services today hoping, you know, she gets a word from the Lord or whatever. And so, you know, it's like we just need to do this. We've got to get that going. But, but really the reality is a great sex life and marriage is, is the fruit of, of other good things taking place. And so if you're working on mutual submission, if you're working on your pursuit with Christ, if you're doing these things through an, an understanding of a covenantal relationship, then as you work through those things, the fruit of all of that stuff, you're encouraging each other, you know, you're, you're, you're dying to yourself and, 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 and seeking to fulfill her needs before your own. The fruit of that kind of lifestyle is a great sex life. But you can't get to that point until this stuff has been identified and you begin to serve and, 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 and live in those ways for her. Now, when it comes to physical beauty, I think, you know, at some point in our, in our lives, we were attracted to our wives. I mean, that's just the natural thing that takes place. But uh, all of us, as we get older, we experience that uh, gravity is, is, is winning <laughs> in all of our lives. And so we're getting older. And, and so... As we get older, beauty begins um, to fade. And, and, and even sometimes um, our wife's beauty can become normal uh, to us as, as men. And so we wanna, we wanna realize this and, and not mistake the, the pitter-patter in my heart for love. Because that's not what love is. Love is a covenant. Love is the commitment. Love is the choice that I am making. And so that pitter-pattering of my heart, you know, slowly begins to fade. I mean, it doesn't take long I mean, less than a year, you know, uh, you, you, you know, you go to sleep and this beautiful woman you're going to sleep with and you wake up and she's like she has baboon breath and <laughs> her hair looked normal and now she looks like a homeless person walking, you know, it's like, what happened? And, and men are even worse, you know, it's like, ladies, I know you probably experienced like this unholy smells coming from this man and, you know, noises that you didn't know existed. You don't know if he's possessed by a demon or, or what's going on. There's a fog in the air and you're just... You're dying and, and you're thinking, why did I marry this guy? And, and, you know, you're looking at her and you're thinking, she was pretty at one point, I think. And, and so, you know, the, the beauty begins, you know, to fade. And so what do we do with that? But, but I think it's important that we realize that real people have imperfect bodies. They gain weight. They get older. Um, their hair color changes. Well, for some of us, our hair color changes. And if, you're, if your marriage is, is built on physical appearance. You're gonna be unhappy. You're gonna be unhappy. So you just have to make the choice that my happiness is not going to, to be dependent upon what he or she looks like. If it is, just get ready. I mean, you're setting yourself up for unhappiness. 
So enjoy sex. That's what he's calling us to do. I believe he's calling us to enjoy it and, and, and to have open communication uh, towards it. And so in that same light, I think for, for guys, if you want to enjoy this a little bit more, you're going to have to change your approach to sex in your marriage. Because for the most part, I think guys and, and their approach is, is pretty simple and, and, and not very complex. And it just kind of basically boils down to, you know, getting naked and, you know, Standing in front of your wife and, and, and saying, you want some of this, don't you? You know, <laughs> admit it, you want this. And it's like, no, she, she doesn't. No, not at all. <laughs> That's probably the worst thing we could do. Um, and so, so we've got to change up the approach. And, and ladies, you know that guys, you know, have this approach. We can pretty much turn any comment into a sexual comment. And so it's, I don't know if it's a gift or a curse, but you know, wife's, She's, ask, she's telling me, hey, we need to get the oil changed in our car. And I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, I'll change your oil. You know, it's like, <laughs> do that. You know, it's like, no, that is not appropriate at all on any level, especially at church, right? But, but that's just, let's just, let's just have, let's be real about it. That's kind of what happens. And so, guys, we got to change our approach. You know, get a little creative. Uh, think about it. Think how you're going to approach this and, and realize that, uh, you know, it's not just going to happen. You've got you've to think through it. You've got to think about some romantic things. Take her on a date night. You know, have some conversations with her. Have some conversations where you up front say this is not going to lead to anything physical. And I'm just going to say that right now. I'm not after anything physical. Let's just talk. Um, you might, you know, obviously, you know, take her out on a date. Get babysitters. You know, buy her something nice. Um, text messaging that encourages her. All of these things kind of change up your approach to kind of reach her heart um, and, and connect with her on a, a mental and emotional level. I think it will definitely greatly improve your, your sex life. And then ladies, encouragement for you on your approach is this. Choose one, anyone. It doesn't matter what it is. Just make an effort, all right? We don't care. Seriously, we don't care, you know, how thought through it is. If it's an approach, we're good with it. Um, and so know this. I think that, that no matter what you got, it looks better in silk rather than flannel, all right? Again, we're just knocking the flannel out of, of the wardrobe today. But, but seriously, um, ladies, listen. So, so seriously, um, it's not the most important thing in a marriage. Obviously, sex is not the most important thing in a marriage at all. And, and, and so we, we have, I want, want you to hear me say that today. But, ladies, for the man, it is important. It is important. And so if you've, if you've turned that off, if you've closed that door on him, um, then, then he is in a crisis. And not only is he in a crisis, but he's also tempted in ways that you you probably don't even understand. You, you would be blown away if you knew the temptation that he's experiencing right now. Um, and, and so it's not the most important thing, but it is important. And so we want to fight for a right relationship where we're dying to our own needs and dying to our own self and serving each other sacrificially. And sometimes that's physically all the time. It's spiritually and emotionally on every single level. But, but here's, a, here's one thing I want you to hear, ladies. If he's not experiencing sex on whatever basis, regular basis, you know, he needs in his life, he has no other legitimate option. He has no other option but you, you know. 
So if he's not talking to you, maybe you've got some girlfriends in your life and you're talking and, and, and you're getting your, your, you know, your, your, your talk on with them. And so that need is, is not being fulfilled by your, your husband, but you're kind of getting that out of your kids or maybe out of your friends. For him, there's no other legitimate option. It's, it's sinful no matter what he would choose, whether it be pornography, whether it be you know, adultery or flirting with other women. There, there's no other option for him. And so my encouragement for you is, is not to go home and, 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 and feel like a terrible person or whatever. My encouragement is to go home and talk about this and get it out on the table and begin to talk about it and begin to fight for a right relationship in your life. I think not only is this important as a married couple, but I think it's also important from a spiritual standpoint because it is a spiritual union as well. So much so that the Bible even gives and, and tells us that, that God approves of this and wants to see this take place. Look at chapter five, verse one. Again, this is Solomon saying that he came to his garden and um, he enjoyed the garden. And then the last part of the verse, this is God speaking. So God has seen the wedding night. So God is in the room, all right? No matter, no matter where we are, God is in the room. And so we can bring God glory through a healthy sex life with our spouse. And that is so foreign to so many people in our culture because you know, our culture has totally demented and distorted our, you know, what sexuality means and what it looks like. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around that. But God says this, eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. I mean, this is God's spiritual approval taking place here, that, that God approves and blesses sex and marriage. He wants us to enjoy each other physically. He wants us to experience all these senses, taste, sounds, smells, all of these things are, are good and pleasing to him. And he says, eat, friends, drink and be drunk with love. God says, enjoy it. Satan wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal what, what could be amazing in your marriage and he wants to take it and he wants you to feel guilty and he wants you to feel ashamed of what you experienced and what you've done in your life. But through Christ, we know we have forgiveness. We know that we become a new creation in him. And so any guilt and shame that we might experience after our decision to follow him is just the enemy using that against us. And so we wanna take captive all of our thoughts. Go back to the Think series. Take captive all of these negative thoughts about ourselves and these negative thoughts that we've thought in the past. And we wanna, we wanna demolish them and, and, and think as Christ has called us to think. Think positively about our husband. Think positively about our spouse. God intends marriage to be enjoyed. He intends that sex is a part of your marriage and that you, you're able to enjoy it in, in, in the confines of that relationship. The Christian bedroom should be a place of fun, should be a place of enjoyment, should be a place of passion and love. It should be a safe place where we can be vulnerable to each other and, and experience that intimacy together. Um, I don't know, you know where this lands in your home. Chances are um, somebody's not satisfied Chances are there's been a few fights about this. Chances are there's some tension in the relationship. But is that really what God wants for you? Does God really want you to be, you know, uh, uh, afraid of each other? Does God really want you to be angry at each other? Of course not. God wants you to embrace each other. God wants you to enjoy each other sexually. And, and, and so from here, uh, again, my challenge is for you to go home and take this question um, and, and just talk through it with your spouse, honey, you know, how do you think it's going? You know, 
Be honest with me. Where, where do you think it is and, and why? And, and we're going to talk through it. We're going we're gonna to think through it and we're going to pray through it and um, ask God to, to bless it as we, as we move forward. Um, let me ask you to bow your heads and let's just pause today and thank God for our marriages and thank God for his truth that we can really turn to his word and find the truth about every area of our life that we need today, whether it be things that are easy to talk about or things that are difficult to talk about, God's word speaks to it. And so we want to thank him for that. And, and uh, we want to leave today with a renewed sense of commitment to our spouse that we would, we would want to pursue them physically and we want to encourage them emotionally and spiritually and and even physically. And so we want to we fall in love with our spouse all over again and, and ask God's blessing uh, to that end. Let's pray. Father, as we bow before you today and as we think through this part of our marriage, it is not the most important thing in our marriage, but for many it's a source of conflict in the room. And God, we want to lift up that conflict to you and ask that you would just break through, that, that each couple in this room would, would honor you first, they would die to themselves and their needs and their self-centeredness and their pride would, would take a back seat to what you would want them to do uh, for their spouse. And so God, I, I lift them up to you and pray that your, your hand would guide them and, and grow them. And Lord, for the single folks in the room, for the students in this room that, that, that maybe one day want to be married and, and are probably excited about experiencing this part of marriage, I pray for their purity. I pray, God, for those that are struggling right now with impurity, um, that are in unhealthy relationships. God, I pray that somebody will go home today, and if they're living together, they'll pack their bag and move out to honor you. God, we know that, that this will never be experienced outside of, of your design. And so um, convict us, show us the way, and uh, allow us to have the strength um, and the courage to make the right decision. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You guys are dismissed. We'll see you next Sunday as we continue this series. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.